Hey, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast, a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm here with Lynn Bui, who is a P4 at the University of Iowa. We are now in block three, right? Block three of uh, our eight blocks total. Nine blocks total, sorry. <laughs> That's going to be a little disappointing. <laughs> okay, so nine blocks total, and uh, we're doing an academic rotation, and um, we actually got to teach at the end of a semester, and then we'll get to teach at the beginning of the semester. Uh, but what we talked about was that, you know, what is maybe one thing that we could uh, talk about and help students with as they're going back to campus, and we thought we would kind of introduce mental health and pharmacy students and some best practices and things like that. So Lynn, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. Thank you, Dr. Gary, for having me. All right, so first, just tell us a little bit about uh, what you'd like to talk about in terms of pharmacy students and mental health. Yes, so I think personally for me, mental health is a great topic in pharmacy students. And as we all know, pharmacy school is very stressful and the students are always under a lot of stress. So I just want to share my own experience and just explore um, different options and resources and the goals to have the best mental health in pharmacy school. Okay, so let's start with um, coming in as um, a P1. Uh, so you were at Iowa, right, for undergrad. Uh, so you already kind of knew, had some resources, some support uh, from some of the classes that you had in undergrad. Maybe some of your classmates were in organic with you and biochem with you. Okay, so, so you at least had some familiarity with them. Uh, tell me a little bit about how things start in P1 year uh, and well, I guess where do things go wrong? <laughs> um, so in P1 year, um, looking back, I would say that it is the most um, least stressful. It, it is the least stressful year. Um, we didn't have like a block schedule, so we, we would have exam like every month or so. And looking back, it was a lot of foundational knowledge that most of it I've learned in undergrad. So it was a lot of good review. And I think um, in P1, our mental health was pretty good, at least for me. Okay. But it started okay. going downhill when we get to um, P2 and P3. Okay. So I remember uh, P1 year also being similar, kind of just getting to know everybody. Uh, we had biochemistry. I know Iowa requires biochemistry ahead of time. And I don't know, I felt like we kind of came together with that. But uh, you probably have a, a course like that where people come together. Is it med medical? Medicinal, oh my gosh. Medicinal? So, no, I'm thinking of like um, pharmacokinetics or pharmacodynamics, something like that. With What would be the toughest P1 class? I would say the toughest P1 class is foundational of science, I would say. Okay. That class was a sixth uh, semester credit, so everyone okay. was stressing out about that class. Okay. I know that I was very stressed out. It was a lot of foundational, like a lot of calculation, pH, POH, okay. a lot of like um, excipients, like you would look at the drug formulation and tell which one is like the active drug ingredient and those kind of things. So that's basically our P1 year. It's just like laying down the um, work for um, P2 and P3. Okay, so we had biochemistry and med chem, I think, in our first year. But for whatever reason, you're right, second year, even though we had built those relationships with our classmates, uh, everything seemed fine, all of a sudden, you're just like, what, what happened? Why, why am I still studying? Why, why are things tough? Why do you think second year is so tough? I think second year is, was very tough for me is because that's when we learn about um, 
drugs and uh, I at first I didn't know how to learn about drugs um, I didn't know what to study since mm-hmm. there's just so much about drugs do I learn about the side effects the mechanism of action or any of that or any black box warning contraindication so I think um, starting in P2 so I what well, we have exam every Monday okay at least for my class so in the beginning I was just not used to like the fast pacing okay. and like the amount of workload that we have to like consume and then memorize and then get tested over. Yeah, I, so I, I, I completely agree with you. When we go from our uh, undergrad, and with undergrad, you can take as few as 12 credits. I mean, sure, you could take as many as 18. But the difference, I think, is that in undergrad, in general, some people will fail the course and need to repeat. But in general, most people in pharmacy school continue on. Uh, attrition nationally is around 11 or 12 percent, but it's, it's rare for, for someone not to, to pass the course. So I think what's happening is you've got everyone who has the expectation that they're going to pass, but then that also raises the level. So I think that the, the bar was up a little bit higher. And now you're kind of going into these courses that are foundational for what you want to do in your profession. So you want to do well at them, but I think you're right. When we talk about the amount of information versus what's on the test, <laughs> it's, not, it's not so clear. So how did you get through that time? How did you uh, figure out um, what it was that was essential? Uh, I think that would help a lot of people because I think it's curating, I think is the word that I've heard some people use. Uh, how do you curate that much information, not only for yourself, for the class, but for your patients? Yes, absolutely. So in the beginning of P2 year, um, I and my friends, we were all struggling. But in my cohort, we have like a group me account that we mm-hmm. have everyone in it. So people make a lot of like Quizlet, lots of flashcard that they share with everyone. Okay. And they included just the most important like drug name, generic brain name, mechanism of action, those kind of things. And basically those who work in like a community setting, mm-hmm. they have more experience in counseling patient or what needs to be, you know, counseled mm-hmm. to patient and what is important. So I think just distilling um, the amount of information down so that we can know, okay, this drug is used for this disease day. And so just um, understanding that the... Um, professor is not going to ask something that's like super irrelevant yeah, to the drug, so it's, right. it helps a little, yes. Right. Okay. So obviously you've made it through your second year, and uh, you know it, it, there, there's this feeling of overwhelm, but it sounds like the, the solution for that was not only curating the information, but the fact that you were able to... Um, And taking it down to what was most important, but also it sounds like this difficulty brought you guys together. Tell me a little bit about some of the organizations that you've joined, because I think that in your P1 and P2 year, you're kind of figuring out what organizations you're going to join, and then a little bit later on, you take those lessons and become a leader. Yes, absolutely. So looking back, I should have joined uh, more organizations in my (laughs) P1 (laughs) since I had more time. Um, but coming into pharmacy school, P1 was pretty overwhelming to me at the time. So I started joining um, organization in my P2 year, and I think I joined ASHP and APHA um, in the beginning. But mm-hmm. since the, I wasn't used to like getting the workload 
um, or like studying in pharmacy school. I wasn't a very active member mm -hmm. um, in the beginning, but then gradually um, I got help from my professor, from my friends, so kind of have a better grip of what I'm doing. So as I have more time to myself and I have less stress in my life, um, I have more time to like leadership position or extracurriculum activity. Okay. So uh, I had some similar experience. I, I joined uh, uh, PDC uh, at first. That was my, my organization that I joined. And uh, I think I did uh, one officer position for a little while. But uh, really it was uh, we would uh, do fundraisers across the street at Camden Yards for baseball or the, the Ravens for, um, for football. And uh, those types of things were, were really times where we could be together outside of the classroom, not talking about pharmacy. But tell me a little bit how you went into your P3 year. If I remember right, you were actually president of one of the organizations. Yes, I am a former president of ACCP in my P3 year, and in my P2, I was the fundraising chair of ACCP. Um, so coming into my P3 year, um, I had a better experience of learning. I, I know what I'm doing. Um, but overall, I think P2 years when I start working more, mm -hmm. so my time is divided more okay. um, to extracurriculum. But being a president of a, of a student organization was definitely uh, more time-consuming than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I always uh, admire those that are up there at the VP and the president uh, spots doing all of that additional work. And it sounds like, though, you were able to kind of pay forward some of the help that you got in P2 and P3 year. But tell me a little bit about how you become president. I know a lot of people want to have those top leadership roles for residency, uh, not only to have the role, but to, to also serve their peers. But uh, I don't want to bring it down to, like, it's just treasurer to president doesn't seem like a, a normal path. Tell me a little bit about how you became president. Was it something that your uh, fellow ACC peers wanted? Uh, was it something that you really wanted? Was it a combination of both? Uh, how did you earn the president role? Yes, yeah, so actually, um, the role just kind of landed in my lap. So I was a fundraising chair the year before, and we have a president-elect. Okay. Um, for, for some reason, she is no longer with us. Yeah. So the president position was open, and the former president, just he just texted me when yeah. I was doing my, uh, like, Ippy Hospital, like, uh -huh. in June, and he told me that, are you interested in the position? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, sure, I'll take it. And it has been a very value experience. I feel like I would have be who I am today without the experience. Okay, yeah. I know that you're, <clears throat> the, the class size is not huge. So you've got the University of Florida that's like around uh, 250. Uh, you have a college on the West Coast that has a class of 28. <laughs> so, you know, right around 100, 110, somewhere around there. Uh, it's kind of right about the middle place. It sounds like uh, you were able to not only uh, improve academically, get work experience, I believe, in the hospital and community, or just yes. and, and community, right? And then you were able to, to get that leadership position. So one of the things that students really like to do once they finally kind of get to that point uh, is get to research that matters to them. Tell me a little bit about uh, the research project that you were doing and, and how you got to it. And how do you fit this all in? We, we were talking about mental health and all I keep hearing is another thing and another thing and another thing. How did you fit that another thing in with research? 
Yes, absolutely. So at Iowa, we have like a discovery course, and it is a research course. So every student is re is required to do um, a research project. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep, and that's why like so we have like allocated time to meet with our mentor, to meet with our um, faculty advisor, to help um, to get us help to work on the projects. But my project was on the interaction of amiodarone and warfarin, mm -hmm. and um, it was. The project took us three semesters. So we Whoa, <laughs> that is a long time. It was, yes. It was a very um, difficult project because I have never written like a research paper before. Okay, okay. Um, so I, we have to write like the objective basically and submit to the IRB okay. and do all those kind of things and put together a poster um, that we have to present to like the College of Pharmacy. I faculty. remember those those big yellow and white and a little bit of black trim posters. Okay, yes, yes. but they're they're all kind of the they, they all come from the same template. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's it's kind of neat though, right? So you've got the poster on your computer, mm -hmm. and then it becomes this big six foot thing, and and yes. it's like your research is alive, right? Yes. Um, so you you kind of checked off most of the boxes here. So as a you've checked off the boxes a. Uh, you started with clinical work in uh, some some degree uh, with your acute care experience, your community experience. Uh, you got some research done. You have the leadership done. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you uh, used how you got into the service component. And honestly, I feel like when we talk about mental health and those kinds of things, a lot of people think of, oh my gosh, what can I do for me? But sometimes the opposite is true where you start helping other people and that's really where uh, things just feel really good. So tell me a little bit about your service. Yeah, so in my own time, I volunteer at the Salvation Army to serve dinner to um, people. And I found that experience very rewarding um, since it was a very humbling experience. Um, since at school, I work with faculty, um, students like myself. But when I was in like the Salvation Army kitchen, I met all kinds of people. Um, people who don't have a home, people who are homeless. And it was just um, put... Um, me in their shoes and give me so much perspective because these people could be my patients and like if they are having trouble getting food then how are, how are, they, how are they gonna pay for their medications sure well so this is in Iowa City yes okay so uh, let's talk a little bit about cities I um, although I'm from the DC area which is around three million if you kind of include that part of Maryland and, and Virginia that commutes in and then Baltimore was a million. But you beat me, right? You, you, um, you came from a city that was a lot bigger. Tell me a little bit about your perspective as you come from what is a giant city, massive city. I mean, New York is 25 million, so we're between 3 million and, and 25 million. Uh, but tell me what it was like being in that huge city and then coming to somewhere like Iowa City. Yes, so I am originally from Vietnam, I'm from Saigon, which is this uh, like the very big uh, city in the south, and it was very crowded. It was a very um, different experience of coming here. Everything is kind of spaced out in Iowa. Everything is like, life is just more peaceful. <laughs> I feel like yeah. in Saigon, it's just like you have to go, go, go. You have okay. this. You have, you know, you have a long checklist. You have to do this. You have to go to school. You have yeah. to go to work. You have to yeah. go to extra classes. Okay. So here, I feel like you just be more like with the nature. Okay. Awesome. All right. 
So I think we've covered everything. You're going to be kind of going through the teaching component here. And so now you've got kind of things set for residency. Um, how do you recommend that people kind of maintain their mental health through the appies? Because I feel like, although you're, you're kind of near home here, uh, there is a period of quotation fingers homelessness as you're, as you're kind of going through this where maybe you're just not, not homeless as much as uh, you're uprooted. That is, you, you go somewhere for five weeks and you go somewhere else for five weeks and there's no real being able to stay comfortable in one place. And then just when you finally figure out that area and just become so proficient, it's time to say goodbye and time to, I don't want to say feel incompetent, but certainly you, you feel uh, that first day is like, I, I remember telling you, I was like, so good news and bad news. Good news is you get to teach on the first day. Bad news is you get to teach on the first day. Because 8 a.m., sure enough, we, we had a lab uh, exam that we uh, administered, and then we uh, had a lecture uh, and had to kind of orient ourselves to the students. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you do here in the fourth year that maybe P3s could start looking at, maybe in terms of spacing, where to put your off block, um, what to do on the weekends, kind of picking some places. What are some of the things that make things just a little bit easier for you? Yes, so um, when I first become in P3, uh, before P4, I suddenly had a lot more time to myself because APPE is very different mm -hmm. than when I was in school. Um, you know, I go to rotation, I do the work and do a little bit more uh, work outside um, of my eight hours. But then after that, I have this big time for myself. And at first, I didn't know what to do with my time. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm so used to studying. Yeah. Like, what do I do now? And I feel I'm very stressed when I'm doing nothing. I feel very non-productive. Um, but I know that my friends, some are in Minnesota, Colorado, Texas, Japan, okay. um, those places. So one thing I think um, I would recommend to like a P3 is to get to know yourself. Are you someone who likes to travel um, or are you someone who likes to stay in somewhere where you know somebody? Because today I'm going to meet up with a friend um, who happens to be in Des Moines um, just okay. to catch up with friends. But I think APPE can be isolating, especially if you're like in like a rural area or you stay in like a hotel or an Airbnb and you know <laughs> no one. Yeah. So I think just be mentally prepared for that. Like know your hobby. What do you do in your free time? Movies, reading, any kind of that. And then you can have the weekends. You can travel during the weekends. And I think it's one of the biggest perks of APPE rotation. Yeah, I, I um, did something when I was at Maryland, which was where our electives are a little bit different. So we had our core rotations, but our electives were only three times a week. So they're a little bit shorter. And I asked my preceptor to kind of squish them all together. It was at uh, NIH Drug Information so that I could go out to Arizona and kind of explore if that's somewhere I wanted to live. It ended up being where I went. But I think the key was that uh, when I did things out there, I would go hiking in the morning and then kind of have my time to do the things I needed to do uh, and then go out at night. And I think getting into some kind of routine is what you're saying, that uh, that you have kind of your routine in your head and you're just going to kind of move it from one place to the other uh, until you get to the finish line. Well, I've asked you a bunch of questions. Is there anything that I haven't covered about mental health that maybe we want to just kind of finish with? Uh, just some advice to maybe P1s, P2s, P3s, even the P4s that are your classmates that uh, will be walking across the stage at graduation next May. 
I think mental health is very important, and sometimes it is neglected in the student population. Um, especially, cost is a big oh, yeah, barrier yeah. to mental health. So I think just um, checking like with your insurance company and knowing which provider is in network our network um, is um, an important thing to do. And cost shouldn't be the barrier that pre- prevent you from seeking help. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for being on the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. Thank you, Doctor. Yeah.